Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. <laughs> all right, welcome back to Spear Factor. Today we're with uh, local gun builder, Nick from Nitro Gun Co. Nick, what's up, man? How you doing? Thanks Good for to on. see you. Thanks, thanks for, for uh, having me out here. Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, yeah, so as always when we do this, I kind of like to get into uh, your background, like with the ocean even. But even before spearfishing, like how did you get into this whole thing? Like I know your your brother surfs and you surf, right? Yeah, yeah. We grew up surfing. My father grew up surfing at like Pillbox and Solana Beach. And that was his lifestyle, you know, a yeah. little Mexican surfer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, he turned me on to it. My mom was a surfer, and I mean, we started surfing at like five, so we were born in the water. Right. And your brother is he like O'Neill? What does he do? So this? he is the team manager, and he also manages like uh, all their social media okay. and how they um, deliver new products with their surfers. Um, with O'Neill. So, so he's a lot like of marketing traveling. stuff? Yeah, all marketing. Yeah. I saw he got that wave last uh, in Panama. Oh, yeah. The wave yeah. of the winter yeah. in Panama. That thing was yeah, amazing. The Panama. travel that he gets to do is just, I picked the wrong career. He's, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's gone, he'll be in Hawaii for, for two months just to work. Yeah, getting paid. At the O'Neill house. Nice. And then get to surf. And, yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine it's a little bit like babysitting too. Yeah. But. He was a professional surfer before, right? Yeah. So, like, like semi-professional. I remember yeah. seeing him, his name in some of the local contests and yeah. things like that. So, all right, enough about your brother though. You. <laughs> so you grew up surfing. Obviously, that was your first introduction kind of in the ocean. When did you start spearfishing? Uh, you know, I started with like a Hawaiian sling when I was probably 14 or 15. Uh-huh. And then I stayed with that only in the summer when the water was warm and yep. the waves were bad. And 
I did that until I was about 21. Okay. And then dropped diving in general for a different career. And after... Wait, well, let's don't gloss over that. <laughs> let's talk about that. What well, career would that be? Uh, so... Uh, I fought professionally uh, in mixed martial arts for about eight years, and I had quite a few injuries, so I had to That's retire weird. from that. Yeah, it was yeah. tough. One so, of my buddies, I don't know if you know, uh, Phone Booth, he works for a Moyo brand, uh, Geese, oh, but like his, his nickname's, first name's Chris, but he used to fight, we were talking, he dives too though, he's okay. from Guam, and we were out at San Clemente talking about that. And we were like both talking because I used to box uh, for the army team, and like we talk about injuries and how I don't know is it was it worth it? I don't know. I kind of I kind of like doing it, you know. Oh, I love doing. It. I love yeah. anything that you could do, and that's exactly why it transitions so well over to um, diving. It's what can you push your body to do you know your mind's gonna quit before your body does yeah so if you can get your mind as strong it's not necessarily like that in diving your body's usually gonna quit before your mind does you'll black out or something but um it but your mind kind of controls your, your mind body, controls your body yeah. and your fear and you know if you're a beginner diver that most people can hold their breath for 30 seconds, but your mind's telling you that you can't. So um, that was really fun, that aspect of challenging yourself. Uh, I'm a pretty safe diver. I wouldn't say I ever dive over a minute 30 or anything like that. I'm just, yeah, I try not to. I don't care. Most of the All fish right. I shoot are like 45 seconds. So, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to a friend about that you know, as far as diving goes, um, you know, and it depends, it's all up to you, right? Like, so if you're pushing yourself when I was in, um, doing a lot of free dive training, it was like, I'm here to specifically practice free dive. So I will push myself there with people watching me with the right setup. Absolutely. Um, with the right partners. With the right partners, people that aren't, you know, yeah. some really, it's important. And, um, but when I'm spearfishing, that's not the time to be doing that. Exactly. It's I go time. down, take some 30 seconds maybe to get to the bottom. Depends how deep I'm diving. If a fish doesn't show up in like 20 or 30 seconds, I'm out. I'm over it. Yeah. It's just because <laughs> yeah, you can sustain that. It's good to be on the surface, that. you know, and then puts you on the surface longer. Yeah. Because what had happened to me before was like I saw a fish at like 30 seconds, mm -hmm. shot it, and then the reel or something, a little thing, like overstayed my welcome by about 10 seconds. And that was enough to give me like a throat squeeze because I can tell I was like, uh, 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 uh. like spazzing out because I knew like, and I got, I started to get like dizzy when I got to the top. But um, yeah, so I don't need to be going. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. no need. I, I really enjoyed the breathing aspect of it. I, I started diving uh, a lot more actively Towards the end of my career, I would say it was like two years, the tail end when I was fighting for Bellator. Uh, the breathing helped tremendously. I mean, you have 60 seconds in between five round or five minute rounds. Five minutes is a long time. And then to back it up with another five minute round, it, the breathing exercise carried over so much uh, in fighting and in getting your heart rate down. It, it was 
pretty amazing what the mind can do and yeah you know the right technique of breathing and um, I feel it's one of the most underestimated things that people just don't even think about or, oh, or absolutely. like I even got my wife recently in this breathing technique thing and she's like whoa and it's funny to someone that dives a lot like, like we all do it's not like I'm like oh that's just belly breathing that's circular breathing that's what yeah. you're doing like for, but so what's happening and she's like oh I feel this and this I'm like so what's happening is you're hyper oxygenating your blood doing this and then but if you switch to this kind of style of breathing you can you know uh, do this or do that and it's funny how much control just your breath has over your entire body entire body there's a good book that I read that pretty much sparked everything to learn the breathing technique called breathology uh-huh. and when I first picked the book up and started reading it the first few chapters were all that yoga blah 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 mind zen whatever the stuff that for yeah. me I'm just like you go zen yourself into whatever universe you want you know it's just not my lifestyle it's not yeah, we talk about look i'm a meathead yeah i don't, I don't relate have to that. Yeah, yeah. all your yeah. like earthy but, stuff not that there's anything wrong with that i'm yeah. just trying to get like yeah but you get yeah. past that and then he you really goes works. over um how it could bring up your mood energy uh how 99 percent of the people out there don't breathe properly and it's true it's basically lazy breathing uh-huh. uh, it's all chest it's all the chest exchange breathing. of yeah. ga- like of uh you know of molecules or is like minimal at best yeah. so my wife has anxiety and she did this training with um my friend colin smith that i kind of talked to last week uh and it was like realized that she was just breathing with her chest and then that was causing the hypoxia or yeah Hypercapnia, I can't even remember at this point. I only dove for like 20 years for work. But, anyways, it was caught like she wasn't getting a good exchange. Yeah. And it was causing it to get higher and higher and higher until she finally has a panic attack. It was when she started uh, uh, belly breathing, it was getting that nice CO2 off, O2 on, and like, you know, air on. And then she was like able to calm herself down. Yeah. It was, like, it's so easy. It's amazing. Watch fighters when you watch the USC sitting in a corner and watch when they are breathing it's all chest breathing yeah. and it's like they could do so much more and recover so much quicker if they change their way of yeah. breathing habits and then, so that's kind of why I fell into it and um, my back uh, with I've had multiple surgeries on my back and it just kind yeah. of came to a point where as I'm getting old enough where I can give this up and I made you know some money and I decided to invest it into something that I liked which was woodworking and yeah I kind of started building spear guns and well isn't it amazing I you know I feel like you look you can't do certain things 100% forever everybody says that yeah but you can do other things for 100% so if you're a type A kind of person like, I feel like kind of we are where it's like, whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to 100% at it. 100%. And I'm going to like be obsessive about it to where it causes problems in my marriage half the time. Like my <laughs> wife's like, hey, babe, like. <laughs> but Absolutely. It's, yeah. Same here. I mean, I, I, I don't sleep at night because the, the new double roller concept that I built, um, I probably would, was sleeping 
four hours a night for about a month just building this gun over and over and over again in my head and luckily it ended up working out but I'm so glad you just, said that though I am that person yeah that I don't know it's ADD takes their work home yeah and, it's, it's, and honestly like once you learn to just live with it you can get some of your best work done when you're sleeping yeah. and, and doing that I mean I've built multiple guns in my head while I was supposed to be sleeping so, and I have pen and paper and a notepad uh-huh. that sits right next to my nightstand and that's what I do I'll wake it's, up and I'll sketch it I'm obsessed with the perfection of building whatever I'm gonna build I you know honestly like it's a relief that someone as experienced you building guns has that problem because I told myself I built my last gun I said I was not going to build any more guns because it, because I can't sleep yeah. because I'm like, how am I going to do that line? Because it was a new cut. It was that double roller that yeah. I made that you saw. It was like, oh no. It wasn't that was before that. I even started deciding to do double rollers. Yeah. I was like, I hate double rollers. You yeah, double roller people out there, you know. They are a pain in the ass. Yeah, you're making me do too much work. Yeah. yeah. But but I like it. Fun. It's no, there's no recoil. Shots. I mean, there's like I honestly can shoot my double roller with one hand, even with a kicker band. Yeah, um, it's cool. I think it's unique, you know. But I mean, when you think about two stage roll, like flipping roller, rolling, you're loading like five bands on. Yeah, this you're thing, doing dude. the same it's amount a pain of loading. In the ass. Yeah, but I really like it because yeah. it's mine. But yeah. Yeah. I was building that one, but I and the same thing. And then I built this recent one. I wanted just a standard three band, um, blue water light blue water gun. And I didn't sleep because I was like, how am I going to ensure all these little problems that come up? I keep thinking that the process will be simplified every time I make a gun. Mm-hmm. And for me, because I make them so infrequently, yeah. it's not. Or and different. every time I want to make it different, right? I yeah. want to make this better. So it's like, yeah. oh, I could wrap it in carbon fiber. I could do this. But what happens is I don't sleep. I wake up at two or three in the morning and I sit there and I think about what I can do to like change yeah. this or this problem or, or you know whatever it is and so the last time I built a gun I was like I'm good I'm not going to build any more guns because it's going to cause too many problems because I get crabby and tired yeah. and I get stressed and yeah. I have a real and your job. wife's pissed off because you're keeping her up at night yeah because she's like yeah. I can see the glow from your your phone yeah. and you know yeah yeah. I mean uh, last night I, I woke I, up I, and I don't know what happened my mind started racing and I have a bunch of friends that do comedy and I was like and he keeps keeps trying to get me a comedy and I was like yeah dude I do not need another thing <laughs> another. Okay? but I started thinking about it I was like oh that's really funny like, those boxes up there are all different yeah. sports that I decided I want to be good at yeah <laughs> or, dude know? it's like because I have a back surgery too so I was doing a lot of jiu-jitsu and then I started being a, I was like I'm going to train like I'm 18 again and then yeah. herniated my disc in my back and that never happened before uh, so I had back surgery and then I went back to jiu-jitsu and I herniated my neck and then it took a while to get, you know, but what it did was it really taught me if I want to stay with the jujitsu game, I have to slow down and be smart about it. Yeah. I can still do it. Yeah. Anyone can still do it. I think but I can't best. go like, I'm going to try to go to like train three times a day or this or that. Because yeah. what hap- I just can't do. I don't have time for that. But what I can do. Body is like, hurts and doesn't yeah. recover as fast. And I feel like I was in a car accident every day. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can go a hundred percent until you're 83. doesn't matter. Until you're dead. Yeah. You just got to find just that hundred percent is going to, it's going to vary. It's going to drop. Yeah. 
at your speed. It's just your speed's going to drop right. throughout. Maybe I'll start golfing. Each decade. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the worst movement for your body. <laughs> That's like the worst body mechanics for yeah. any human being. The body's not supposed to move that way. Twisting, jerking. Yeah. yeah. Rotating that. Yeah. Dr- oh, it's, but it's like, yeah, yeah, so I kind of just, you know, same thing, like started going obsessed. So that's great. I mean, MMA, I, I, the MMA thing is funny because if you haven't ever tried to do a five minute round or wrestle six minutes, um, cause I wrestled in high school and mm-hmm. stuff too, but like you're doing three of those or five of those back to back, like good God. If you good think God. I would encourage anybody, if you want to get in shape, do cardio, go to a jujitsu class and roll some rounds and you'll find in a minute probably especially in the beginning you'll be so gassed um yeah working yourself up to three minutes is like yeah a lifetime wrestling's kind of weird too because it's like a hundred percent for six minutes where jujitsu is like you learn it's 20 percent then 100 yeah it's 20 percent or 80 controlled controlled yeah yeah fighting for inches yeah but fighting someone's punching you back in the face so it's it's a it's like you (laughs) Was it Joe Rogan says? You take a black belt, punch him in the face, he becomes a brown belt. Brown, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah, I. Some, yeah. I mean, it used to be true, especially in the early phases, but nowadays everyone's so well rounded. Well rounded. Yeah. They're good at taking punches and. And uh, another little message, so to all the younger guys, whatever, any of you guys that, if you ever, it's funny when you you actually train, you realize how much you don't know. Oh, but you also someone better than you. realize how much you know compared to somebody that just walks off the street. Yeah, absolutely. And like I have a sense of confidence. It does. Where like I've had it happen a couple of times in my life where people square up at bars when you're younger or whatever. I, and I, got, like, I got the best, the best thing like, to do for that. And you're like, and then you within the first two seconds of him squaring up, you're like, I'm going to kill this guy. Yeah. Because you have no idea what yeah. you're doing. And, and on the flip side, that's why I care. Like, because some of these black belts that I've seen in jujitsu tournaments, and we're getting off, I guess we're getting into jujitsu, but like, they look like professors. You would have no idea until oh, you yeah. woke up, you know, an hour later with like a broken arm or yeah. just choked out, embarrassed. Yeah. Your soft kiss is all sore for a yeah. month. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, I, so if you are trained or, you know, when you do start training there's a huge amount of like responsibility as well as respect for the sport and just not wanting to do that kind of stuff but you always do get that arrogant bastard that is going to come at you yeah and so my case that i learned from my manager who's a great friend of mine um awesome dude and he told me this when i was younger he's like bro uh all you need to do is Tell the guy, okay, I'll fight you, but right. we're going to go to the bank right now. You're going to pull out $1,000. I'm going to pull out $1,000, and the winner will take all. When it comes down to it, no one's going to freaking fight for 1000 bucks. I mean, you will because yeah. you're trained. You know that you're going to win this money, yeah. and there's no reason to take the risk. And it, it's really funny how how much it does check that arrogant person most likely he doesn't have a thousand dollars in his bank account right you know put your money where your mouth is yeah exactly it works every time i actually had it happen one time at genie's in carlsbad i mean it's a long time ago (laughs) yeah i had it excited i was like i'm gonna make thousand bucks tonight (laughs) it's funny though because you realize uh through fighting like 
um, you know, organized fighting to uh, where it's like, oh, you might you you win the match, you know, but you're beat to shit. Oh like, yeah, and then you get suspended. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there, there's a whole athletic commission. You get cuts. I mean, the minimum suspension is thirty days. So yeah, uh, you get a cut. It goes to ninety days. You get a concussion. It's like yeah, a bit longer. Right. It's organized. They they take, you know, they. Uh, yeah, you don't feel good. After <laughs> no, you don't I, feel. Good. I got a really good concussion. I ended up in the hospital. I actually ended all of my um, contact sports in college, uh-huh. which at the time was devastating to me because I was like, "That's what I do." Yeah. What am I supposed to do now? Like, I was recruited to play football. I was on the boxing team, and then, um, you know, this is at, when I was at the military academy, and. Um, I got super depressed because I was working out like three times a day or whatever, like, like literally like wake up in the morning, run, go to class, purpose, go to, yeah, go to practice, then get done with practice, lift weights. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I was like, you know, you live for it. And then they told me like, I, you should not ever, you've had so many concussions and this is it. Like you're done. And I became so depressed. And I think if I would have known now, what I knew back then, which is kind of what we're talking about, is like I would have just immediately switched to something else. Yeah. But in my narrow vision at that time, I was like, I wanted to go special forces. I wanted to do all this stuff. Yeah. I want to. I want to. Right now, I want to be so prepared for battle, and I want to like be this invincible guy. Where it was like, now I'm just. A, I can't do any of that, and that's what I defined myself for since I was, you know, in high school, uh, football player, wrestler, whatever. And I tell my daughters the same shit. I go, my, my middle daughter is like, I'm a basketball player. She travels, basketball, does all this stuff. She like lives and breathes it, loves it, loves it, loves it. And I tell them, and this is for everybody out there too, I feel like. I tell them, look, what are you going to do when your senior year of college, say you play in college, and that Friday you have your game, and then Monday, now your season's over. You didn't get drafted in the WNBA or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. very likelihood, you know, that's not going to happen. Yeah. There's a huge, yeah. What are you going to do then? Because now you're just Haley Whitman, the student, or Haley Whitman, the person, yeah. right? You're yeah. not Nick Garcia, the MMA fighter. Well, who the hell is Nick Garcia? That's, that's been your life for so long. So that kind of led you to getting back on topic into gun building or no woodworking you said uh, yeah well it was gun building I, I i always wanted to start a company of some sorts and then i was like well i'll just take my name that i built for myself in there which doesn't relate anything to spearfishing but use my nickname as a brand and try to build a brand and just build a really good spear gun i did years and years and years of woodworking and when I looked at what the guns that were being produced at that time which was eight years ago uh, I felt like I could build a better gun and I started building guns for friends and then more friends wanted guns and I was like you know I better start charging for these now because I'm tired of working for free it's a lot of work it's a lot of work and uh, it is really rewarding though Uh, I love seeing people shoot fish trophy fish any fish um or just hear responses back from people on how they enjoy the product yeah um which is pretty much everyone that buys a gun yeah so 
That's the so best part. Nice. I had a, I made that double roller, and uh, one of the guys, Ren Spiro, like the local guy, I guess, mm-hmm. from Vista, he shot it to unload it or whatever in the water, and he shot it, and he was like, oh, wow, that thing is so smooth. And it's like, I'm not a gun builder or a woodworker, but like that was like the proudest moment. And I've killed a lot of damn fish with On that it. gun. Yeah. But I was just like, that was the proudest moment because it was like somebody else appreciated it. Yeah. Like, yeah. cool. It's like Other a child that you just, work, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Because yeah. especially all the time and effort that goes into that stuff. And, um, you know, for for the beginner gun builder, it doesn't have to be pretty, but it's just got to function, yeah. I feel like, you know? It does. I, I always warn beginner gun builders when they get into it, expect the gun to cost you more than what you're going to actually put into it the first time around before you really... Figure all the kinks and yeah. Before, like, I mean, it just costs time. I mean, time for me is money. So, literally, it literally because you spend an hour like setting everything up. This is what I remember doing not that long ago. Yeah. I started I built my first gun to do a small percent of a gun to do one cut. Yeah, on the track, and then yeah. you got to redo reset it. You got to pour the box, reset it. But that's where the time is and all the prep because you're one cut away from wasting like 30 hours of work. Yeah. 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 Everybody knows that sound and you're like, oh, Jesus. That's why you specialty bits. Yeah. It's it's worth it. I'm huge on expensive specialty bits. But I I mean, the amount of guns that I'm producing now, I mean, doing like between... 120 and 150 guns a year now and I've created templates and ways to make my work more efficient faster and take the human error out of it because I still am doing this myself so it's I can make plenty of mistakes yeah and I've hacked beautiful (laughs) guns up at the finishing stages of the woodworking portion of it and it's Oh man, it pissed me off. That's how I always end up with guns because I'll do that and I'm like, I can't send this blank to my buddy. Yeah. Or like I was doing, I, you know, one thing that helps too is I was making blanks because I just had extra wood. So I just made six blanks at a time. Why make one, you know, because you're all the measurements are pretty much similar. Yeah. So I did the blanks and I laminated up like six of them at a time. And then I was like, hey, does anybody want any blanks? It was like, that's how I do it. I do yeah. usually five to six guns in. Uh, um, I'll do yeah five to six guns of a, of a specific model right. in each run. Yeah, and then two of those guns will be just in case guns in case I me- I mess up right. and I can't move sell the gun to someone because for me it's Im- imperfect. I mean it could right. be as small as you know. Uh, the bit shakes on you and cuts in a little too deep or something like that and I just can't move it. I, yeah. I won't sell it to someone. It's got to be perfect every time. That's the problem. I have uh, friends that have asked me to make guns for them. Same yeah. guy, guy you started and yeah. I'm not like a gun maker. I'm yeah. just a dude that literally YouTube stuff and I have access to the tools and they wanted me to make them a tuna gun and I've referred them to you actually like a couple guys but I don't know if they even buy guns but I was like I don't feel comfortable taking money and making a gun like yeah, dude I mean, that scares the shit out of me yeah it scares the shit out of me now too I, I still do a $300 deposit which is um, half of 
material cost uh-huh. and then I wait until the gun is completed to take full payment I yeah. mean it doesn't get much better than that and then I send them photos of the process and everything right. make sure they like it and then it's the perfect. one guy has a really good blog uh, Ocean I think uh, he's in the east coast it's a a uh, his Instagram page is like Ocean, it's like A U S or A. He's got a really good blog on a step by step build that he made where he oh. made a hybrid. Uh-huh. I gotta look it up, but um, um, man, like it's step by step, but it it's like complicated. Yeah, <laughs> there's just so many steps. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Go look at that. I I mean I haven't seen it, but go look at yeah. that and then decide if you want to build. I think it's like A. Oh God, it's like oh yeah, it's A U S. H-A-N or something like that. I, I got really, oh, you know what? I've seen his YouTube stuff of him building guns. Yes. Yeah. And he does uh, like the um, time. Right. Because you know how the East Coast guys do it. When it gets wintertime, they're like, all right, building guns. Yeah. Because yeah. that's just, you know, it's game over yeah. for them. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but he had a step-by-step thing. And I was like, okay, uh, I see how he does it. But, I mean, on some of these cuts, you're making three adjustments every time like when I, I think per I was, cut per cut yeah to go a little deeper a little oh, deeper, deeper a little deeper exactly. a little deeper oh you know what this bit it won't reach to actually go through the wood like I think I called you you about that yeah like uh, where I was trying to do the line release I was like man it's just not like how do you, how do, you do that or whatever you know like it's just uh, there's so many little tricks in the trade and yeah. it's so frustrating to putting I mean it would be nice for me to put all that information out to the public to do it, but at the same time, it's like eight years it's process. of studying, right. not sleeping. So like, that's like figuring everything yeah. out. And this is a concept that I learned for myself, and it's not like something that came in an hour's time. Right. This is eight years of you know, education and figuring things out. Yeah. A lot of money wasted in R&D. And it's like a... Dude, I mean... expects you just to give you your their information. And I think that kind of goes to the whole thing. And I think people kind of take it the wrong way sometimes where it comes like giving up fishing spots or fishing secrets or, you know. And it's not necessarily that people are assholes, basically. And they're like, no, kid. But, you know, do you... I don't think guys understand... Like, I swam around that kelp bed 20 years ago now for five years without seeing a white sea bass. Like, one. Yeah. And I literally just would go out randomly and knew nothing. There was no social media. And I would blindly swim. And finally, like, my friend Colin, I would always hit him up. Like, hey, so what do I do? Like, yeah. And uh, even uh, another guy, John Wallows, I'm like, they were talking about it. Like, you just don't see him when you first start diving because you don't know what you're looking. Your eye's not trained to look for it. Um, but literally spent, I mean, my wife would make fun of me. My mother would make fun of me. Dude, it's like I never, like the least most successful, you know, spirit fisherman. But I learned a lot by doing that and putting that time in. And I'd love to help people get their first fish and the basic rules. But at the same time, and I will, I mean, for the most part, but at the same time, it's like, but I hope you guys really appreciate it because like I froze my ass off for a long time and, and actually stopped diving for a couple of years too because I just got over it and I didn't have a boat and I was like you know what fuck white sea bass over this oh I'm at that point like yeah 
first time I dive for white sea bass one day out of the season. I'm like, okay, I'm over it. Yeah, and it's kind of getting that way for the, the bluefin. I think I dove three times for bluefin this year. I was like, because I realized like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But the the bluefin, God, dude, sometimes there's such pain in the ass. Oh, Spend so much money and fuel. I got and, lucky this year. I yeah. went out one time this year and got one 150 pounds. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. See what I mean? I do the same thing. Yeah. Like, uh, once I get a, uh, you know, I have my goal. And if I hit that, I'm done. Because I really like diving on reefs and diving. I love it. And diving Baja is yeah. just my favorite. Because you never know what you're going to find. You oh, have such a variety. So fun. Yeah. yeah. It's not just yellowtail, just white sea bass, right. just bluefin. I mean, when you're going for bluefin, you're going for bluefin. That's it. Nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And you may not even get in the water. Or get a chance to get in the water. Yeah, you may not even see a bluefin. And you just spent 250 bucks in gas. (laughs) Yeah, driving around. Yeah. 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 Those guys are pain in the ass. Pain in the ass. But the day you get that triple digit one, it's a pretty good feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love seeing people shoot uh, bluefin on, on the bomber series guns. Oh, it's yeah. really rewarding. I, I, love it. What, I like it just what, as much as going out there and shooting the yeah. fish myself. For sure. I mean, I, I dove for bluefin one time the entire season. Um, and the rest was just living vicariously through guys yeah. who bought guns th- this year or four years ago right. that are still shooting bluefin on Well, you were working on the Guardian boat right for a while or no not? so evan's a good friend of mine and if you are looking to spearfish for bluefin it is the boat and the only yeah. boat to go with uh, he has everything he has float lines floats he has four bombers on yeah. the boat along with three baja specials like all the guns all the equipment is there for you to use and not only do you have all the equipment to make sure you take down one of these fish, but you have an extremely intelligent and calculated captain that knows how to drive you into bluefin. I mean, that's what you pay for. And then the gears comes along. So we did like a partnership where I gave him guns to use on the boat, which is great because if people want to buy a gun for themselves, they can go on his boat, charter it, use those guns, try them. Say, oh, I like that gun, but I want it a little different, and come to me and have it made. Nice. Specifically for them. So, so that was the one because I think I went out with you guys after I met uh, that one time, and I remember I was gonna go back out, and it didn't end up working out because the fish moved so far offshore, and it was like, uh, you know, it's gonna cost a little more, and then like a couple of my buddies so bailed fun. out, and I was like, damn. But uh, one thing I remember, and I've learned from now that I have my own boat over the years is that it diving for bluefin is I mean okay it's not that hard it's, it's not hard all up to the boat driver it's all up to the boat driver well yeah. I, I would I would say well, it's 75% yeah, boat yeah. setup and then 25% diver yeah. and the and reason why I say 25 too as far as landing it though oh yeah yeah, yeah like, equipment is so important like going people out there, go after those things with like two and three bands and I'm like no dude yeah, uh, you're not going to pinch My friend fish. pulled out a 11-liter raw ballon float. I was like, uh, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, that's not going to work. Yeah. 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 Have the proper equipment is 
like so important unless you're just going there to injure fish and yeah waste and lose all your gear yeah lose your gear spend more money whatever the case may be just have the right gear and yeah there's the bluefin acts so differently every day so there's so many different tactics that you have to know uh, driving into these fish not into them but setting yeah. yourself up for these fish yeah. I mean yeah it's uh, I, I think I remember reading somewhere they're one of the smarter fish and I believe it I, every school is different every day is different every hour within that day can be different oh, too absolutely it's unbelievable how absolutely. like when one day you could drive on top of them jump in and shoot whatever you wanted or like they just wouldn't get spooked they're yeah. going super slow just spinning or the next day you can't get within 400 yards yeah or you can see they're everywhere and it's like whack-a-mole you know like up oh, there 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 yeah and it's like you got to shut the boat down you'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing but as i've learned no matter where i've been Whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Like, so what are some tactics that you guys use to, um, um, that you know of? So, like, if you are your own boat driver, I tell this to people all the time never be afraid to leave fish and go find other fish because if you're going to sit on one school and they're just not cooperating with you don't spend your whole day on that school go find other fish and that's what we do a lot so that's interesting two maybe three times trying to get on a single school and then after that we're gone so there was always a rule in fishing right never leave fish to find fish And it's funny you say that because that's what I always say. Never leave fish to find fish. But when it comes to diving on bluefin, every school is different. And if you can't, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. You're going to do the same thing over and over and over again. And you're just going to push those fish out further and further and further. So it's pointless to stick with those fish and hope that one time they're going to cooperate with you, which... So you say not co- happen. you say cooperate like what do you mean like to people that don't know? Uh, cooperate, I would say, is swim in the direction that you expect them to be, and not uh-huh. change a uh, a direction or sink out. Yeah. So uh, foamers or um, puddling fish, uh, a lot of the time are finicky or in a frenzy eating bait and they can be easy to get up on but if you keep driving on the fish and they keep sinking out on you and going in a direction that you have no idea that they're at stop chasing that fish and go find new fish if they're not letting you within 100 yards sending a diver 100 yards swim three times they're going to be done so it's like pointless to keep doing it once you get there I, I'm out of shape, dude. Like, I can't dive. I can dive to 30 feet. Like, oh, my God. Uh, well, we were at San Clemente Island two weeks ago, and if we were going out there to dive for yellowtail just to go dive. You yeah. Know? And my friend wanted me to take him out there, and I was like, yeah, I'll take you out there. So we went out there, and we were on Pyramid Reef, probably in, like, 300 feet of water, 200, 300 feet of water. I mean, we were on, like, right off the island. And all of a sudden, I was like, I didn't go out there, but I always bring, you know, I always bring a big setup because you never know. 
Never and know. I remember looking out there and I'm like, is that yellowtail blowing up on the surface? No, that's a hundred pound bluefin, you know? And it was so close to the island. And there was, again, it was like, you know how it is? Like there's nobody around yeah. and I get all giddy. I'm like, there's nobody around. Nobody yeah. knows it's ours. It's all ours, yeah. you know? And so we, we finally like got all our shit together and, um, try to change gears. Yeah. And, and you know, and get all ready. And then we start going and I, and I told my friend, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to give him a real brief thing of like, okay, we're going to eat. They're on the surface now. So, uh, but the thing is, it's like the tip of the iceberg. So the ones you see on the surface, there's a lot more around there. It's just, you know, you don't see them. So turn the meter on. But then, oh, by the way, the meter can scare them sometimes. I've heard that. Like, I haven't That's seen the turn. Yeah, because yeah. the acoustics, right? I've heard that. Like, when you turn the boat off and you, like, some and people. you're still running it or yeah, something Yeah, like you might as well just, just turn the boat off, turn the meter off. If you want to just try to get them when they're blowing up around mm -hmm. there, you can try that. You can turn. Uh, so, anyways, long story short, like, like, oh, they're over there, like, 100 yards from it. I'm like, okay, cool. And my buddy had never done it before. He's like, I'll drive. You guys know what you're doing. I'm like, okay, cool. Just just turn the boat off and just chill right here. We're going to go out there and see if we can get one. Cause they were like, look like they're cooperating. They really weren't that skittish, yeah. but they were in a frenzy, you know, you know, of course what happens, you kick out a hundred meters. You're like, like spy hopping the whole yeah, time trying yeah, to see. Yeah. And I was like, where are they? And my buddy, he doesn't know. And he's like, okay, just keep going. I'm like, yeah. okay. And then he's like, Hey, they're back here at the boat. They're blowing up all around the boat. And those guys like disappeared. So then we turn around and kick back to the boat see like the streaks, you know, dive down. Um, unless I knew they were about a hundred pounds, dive down. And I just saw one of them coming like probably like 20 knots, man. just like a bullet and did like an L around me, like just gone. Like didn't want any part <laughs> yeah. of it. And I was like, man, I've had, you know, been vortexed by like 200 pound bluefin where they just like circle around you all. Check you out. Just mellow. Not these ones. These guys were racing. Hungry. And That's all they wanted to do is eat. And they were flying, and uh, we did that twice of that whole thing. I couldn't get a shot off. Oh, you're fine. Couldn't get a shot off, but I was like, okay, I saw three. You know what? This year, that's the most bluefin I've seen in your water at this point. Like, I'm, I'm stoked for that. Okay, cool. And then we decided we did it for another half hour of doing the whack-a-mole, trying to, like, get on fish. And I was like, what are we doing? I'm not doing this anymore. Like, I'm not doing the... Uh, the uh, bluefin bounce, I call it, like just bouncing everywhere, like spinning gas. I was like, dude, let's go. We're at the island. Let's just dive the island, you know? So we did that. But yeah, friggin' bluefin, dude. Yeah, they will drive you crazy. But there's like but so much meat on those things, too. There's so much meat, yeah. and they're so good to eat, and that belly cut. Uh, uh, just if you haven't had like Toro, right? Like Fresh. It, yeah. Not from a sushi bar. No, it... Is the and I, you know, for the longest time I didn't even like fish that much, which is kind of funny. Everybody laughs about it. I was like, no, I just, whatever. I just like hunting. <laughs> I like to try the hunt. I had that Toro uh, years ago. My buddy shot like in 2015, I think 2016. Shot like a 210. My buddy Hobby, and I had that Toro, that belly meat, and it was the one thing that I was like, holy shit. That's literally like just the consistency of butter. Yeah. You put in your mouth and it's so good. And, um, so rich. Yeah. And I had. So you eat too much and you get the shits? 
Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> that's funny enough. I, I, yeah. I call it tuna junk. You eat too much and it puts you in like oh, this exhaustion coma. Oh, I don't even know if it's that or the mercury that's yeah. like poisoning your body. But like my wife was like, "What's your mercury levels at?" And I was down in Guam, like shooting the dog tooth. And stuff. Yeah. I was like, "I don't know. I have like just lived off fish." Like, but yeah, it's delicious, man. It really oh, lives up to the hype. It's a good fish. It does. It totally does. Yeah. But, yeah. But um. Just so, keep learning with Bluefin, man. Just keep learning. Yeah, it's and the only way to learn is time. to go out, go, to go out, out, go out, and beat your head against the wall. Yeah. Talk to people. But, I mean, literally, I learned. We must have went out 30 times last year. Was and me. I got three Bluefin all in a week. I had an A-team that I went out with I all saw, 30 times. I remember times. that week. And oh, yeah. we... Between all of us, I mean, we were shooting like 30. We all of us shot between 30 tuna that last season each. Wow. But it was like we had the A team. All of us knew how to drive. Yeah. All of us knew how to manage lines. All of us knew how to dive for these fish. It that's, was just a that's perfect too. running yeah. machine. And that's, we killed it. I mean, I shot like 38, 39 tuna last season. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Three, four over 200. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of meat. A lot of meat. A lot of people got really, really used <laughs> to eating bluefin yeah. pokey bowls. And then this season, everyone's like, oh, what? where's all the meat? And oh, I'm like, yeah. oh, I didn't have the season I had last year. But, well, and it's funny because I remember there was that week there where I think it was Austin Deary uh, I think Ryan Moore might have too and um, Brandon Wallers and then you guys I think it was like I don't know you guys, you know how it is the network but yeah. like you all, everybody gets the call dude it's happening yeah. so I out of 300 pounders you can jump right in and shoot them yeah and I, I haven't shot a fish that was over 300 pounds last season yeah and I remember that day where he was like you guys were I was like we gotta go we gotta go like it happens now. like there's that week where it all comes together and like for me it was the same thing like and we were out there we were sleeping at the island we woke up and it was 6.30 in the morning and Evan got his first tuna at 6.30 and we finished by 5.30 at night with limits of fish over 200 pounds well One it's over funny because that's a lot of weight in a boat too so we were driving back yeah at was, I would say it was like 5200 RPMs down swell and we we're doing about 14 knots because in the, we had in the glacier bay was in it the, the glacier, glacier bay, bay yeah. yeah we had you know 1300 pounds of bluefin in the back That's of the insane. boat yeah the boat was six inches below water level it was like just fat heavy we all brought our big coffin kill bags yeah. we had 280 pounds of ice like we were just so set and so ready to be able to do this, and it just was one of those. So who was your A team? My A team was voice. a guy named Dalton Best. Yeah. And yeah. Evan Wagley, uh -huh. and we just oh killed it last season. Yeah. And then there was times I would take out some like other friends, like some newer guys or whatnot, but. But it's For really the most about part, efficiency. We though, want, huh? oh, it, it, it's we all were, efficiency. We're all efficiency. Yeah. Like we don't fight. It, everything runs smoothly. We all know that everyone on the boat has a task to do. Yeah. And I mean, we, fighting six fish over two hundred pounds is a lot of work. And it's to exhausting. do it, yeah, we just had all the right gear, and 
everyone had the same setup, same guns. It so what would just, be your ideal gear for fighting bluefin? Uh, an ideal gear is a yeah. hundred foot bungee with um, any particular kind of bungee though you like or just just a bungee line uh, the dark water bungees yeah or the net tonic ones are good uh, the dark water ones are are a little bit better for that grade of bluefin because it doesn't bottom out as easy as the Neptonics one and that wears out the fish twice as fast like you say it it doesn't bottom out means there's more stretch to it there's more stretch to it so it's not as easy as as easy to stretch i i I don't know the actual weights of full extension i would say like the Neptonics is maybe you know 60 pounds of pull at full extension yeah where that float bottom float line bottoms out and then i would say the um, dark water ones is maybe, you know, 50% more. Uh-huh. So it's probably upwards to 100 pounds of pressure, which in the beginning it's light. And then the more you take out, yeah. the, 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 the more pressure it puts on the fish, but it just wears it out a lot faster. And if you are confident with the rest of your gear and your line and your shot placement then you don't really have to worry about it like you get full penetration right. with 800 pound spec spectra and then you're running 680 pound you know shooting, shooting line, line yeah. not cable right. and yeah that's fine. the thing with the cable is there's no stretch there's no stretch there's, it's dangerous it's heavy, it's heavy. It. you can cut it if you're carrying yeah. shears on you or something right. like that but, but why not find something that's just as thick, lighter, cuts through the water not gonna better. Be, it's not going to be it's hanging up on the reef. Pounds. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand. Like, I, the cable thing is great for like coral reefs. That dark water line yeah. is so abrasive resistant. It's unbelievable. It's yeah. the best line on the market right now. You know, it's. I mean, I'm going to say this little shout out to the dark water guys, but yeah, I don't. Matt. I, yeah, Matt, and I haven't got. Um, uh, he's supposed to be. I think he's going to make me some flow lines, but I haven't gotten anything from him yet but i make all my own gear because uh-huh. kind of what you're talking about i want to know when i pull the trigger you that can rely on that nothing is going to fail i over i over engineer everything right yeah. but what i found was was funny just looking at the pictures and talking to matt too and looking at the pictures going do he has the same shit i do like if I was going to make that, there's no stronger way to make that. Yeah. Like that's what I would do. And, and Matt tests his product and Matt shoots more bluefin than more to, uh, not like more bluefin, I'm sorry, guy. more 200 pound bluefin yeah. than pretty much anyone in California. Like yeah. the guys put his gear through years and years on the same yeah. line and his stuff doesn't break. And he has... 270 pound fish on the deck in like less than 40 minutes so wow yeah efficiency and the proper gear is so important and he has how about floats what do you so floats 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 i use my personal thing i use is is one of those three atmosphere jbl it's kind of like the concept of gannets but it sinks a lot better than than a gannet it's smaller right. it's a little more narrow and it's a little bit more so you're saying sinks in the front. meaning that it takes in case off it does yeah it takes off a little bit of pressure yeah. you don't want to blunt force when that fish bottoms out your float line and then 
now you're just on straight line. People don't think that, you know, they think just because you have a bungee. It's the dynamic load, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're hitting like a brick. Yeah. Essentially. So you want something that's going to cut through the water fast and sink if, you, you know, that's how your setup is. My setup's a little different. I run a 15-liter three-atmosphere float uh-huh, 10 slow, feet yeah. down from the that puts 33 pounds of pressure on the fish. So I have super heavy bungee line with a 33 pounds. And by the time that fish hits the second uh-huh. full size float, it doesn't go under. It's just tired. And it'll yeah. go under for about 10 seconds and pop right back. And I can start working on that fish right away. Yeah. Do you so, use a clutch too? Or? I do use clutches. Yeah. yeah. I don't use, um, tuna clips. I mean, tuna clips are great. They, they, yeah, but I just I've don't had like straight out though. I don't like grabbing that little thing like tires my hands out to be yeah, honest. Yeah, it's like, it, it's it, yeah. <clears throat> then I gotta go like this like too. Whatever really? doesn't make you tired, whatever yeah. you can stay and do that's comfortable for you. Um, and then switching your lines. Um, if you're hunting bluefin, don't run mono, don't run cable. Just use six hundred and eighty pound. You know, dark water Dyneema yeah. cable or dark water Dyneema line. Yeah. It's 680 pounds. With the right knots, it will break. Yeah. You know, it's not going to break. Right. It's stronger than mono. It's stronger than cable. Cable's it's funny 500 because pounds. You hear people, you know, they're like, I've got this. I've got 2,000 pound uh, spectra inside my float line. All this stuff. And I was like, yeah, but you're running, you know, mono, yeah. 400 pound mono. So your shit's only strong as your 400 pound mono. Yeah. Or your connections. And mono's good because it stretches. However, like you said, connections. Connections. Like. The weakest point on every foot line is going to be a connection point. Yeah. And uh, Chris uh, Coates in South Africa, uh-huh. he was talking to my friend um, quite extensively and he believes in knots. He's like, yeah. if I tell you right now, I know it's not going to be any fish over 300 pounds. A knot will not, uh, any connection, yeah. I don't care what it is, will fail. I do a crimp and then a knot after the crimp. Yeah, so, I've seen that, yeah. And I, I just cover it with shrink wrap. Yeah. So I have two points of of locking that line into place. If one fails, that knot's right Again, there. Again, it's what you're talking about, man. It's like what I would say. Like, I want to pull the trigger and I want to know once that I hit that thing, it's over. Yeah. I got this fucker. Yeah. Like, I that's mean, how I feel about it. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. You know? I mean... Yeah. Why would you? Yeah, I don't want to lose the fish of my dreams because I use. I've had friends with floats. They buy floats off the internet, and they like they look like they had fishing line inside them. Snap, you know. And uh, for you guys that haven't shot really big fish, it's probably one of the most humbling experiences in your life when you see how strong oh a two hundred pound fish is, and let alone even like with the dog tooth. Um, I was humbled after even shooting big bluefin and then going and hunt a dog tooth and you see a dog tooth pull a big uh, diver R float. It's like 200 pounds positive or something. This giant diver R float. Pull it down and it popped back up. But a 70 pound fish just pulled that down yeah. and then fought like hell. And I was like, holy shit, man. Like, it's humbling. humbling. <laughs> you better have your shit together yeah. when you go. Otherwise, it's disrespectful to the fish. It's disrespectful. Like, it's just dangerous. And just you're just wasting it. stuff. Like, so just, you know, I always hunt with these giant guns and everybody laughs because I want to know no matter what I come across, I'm going to take it. Yeah, like, full penetration every time. Yeah. And, and I always do. I always, you know, get into arguments or have discussions with people on why you don't bring 
baby guns to don't bring a, a knife fish. to a gunfight yeah yeah it's stupid and it's like just be prepared well even guys sure. now like i see guys like oh real you yeah know? they put reels and they go after tunas yeah. and you're like why why that's why? dumb yeah. Like, oh, cool. Cause I shot. Yeah. You know, I shot a tuna on a reel, and now I get to post post it on social media, yeah. and uh, and I get sometimes that what? happens. I, I, yeah. yeah. I, I, I sometimes that happens because you're on a kelp yeah. patty, and you're not expecting. If a that fish is not, if landing that fish is not enough for you, and that you have to get gratification through your followers on Instagram, you should take your someone should take your dive card from you and never be able to dive again you know yeah you have some insecurity problems so i mean i've had some but, i've done it myself where i was out diving and didn't expect you know a big oh, fish yeah and i did yeah and i and pulled I the trigger and yeah. luckily i landed right. luckily i landed but i immediately knew it was a yeah. foolish stupid idea yeah. once i did it yeah, and it i was, felt bad because i put all my friends in jeopardy we were talking about tuna gear so what your bomber series, that's yeah, your tuna bomber. gun. Yeah, bomber yeah. is a double roller. So yeah. my question is, I noticed with your bigger guns, and well, most of your guns, you do the individual holes rather than just the cutout. Why is that? Uh, because you don't lose any band stretch. I mean, to fit your bands in a single slot requires you to cut a bigger slot than it's actually needed when that band is pulled tight. So all my bands are in the same place from each slot uh-huh. and it's just a little bit stronger guys can beat the gun up a little bit more you break or crack a single band slot and then you're basically racking that gun up for you know the boneyard you're not going to be using it again unless you try to fix it or whatnot but it's, it's just it's a, it, a little bit more structurally sound Some, and yeah. the bands just stay in the same place every time and you don't get cross-ups um loading yeah. bands you ever loaded you know a three band slot and two of your bands like crossover yeah crisscross in that single slot yeah you don't have to worry about any of that stuff it's all about efficiency you know right that makes sense. everything is clean basic yeah you know my last gun i made i did i kind of copied what you did and i did three bands but there's just three holes yeah. you know and um yeah it makes it really easy it's easy what happens yeah. i have a five band gun that's just a giant slot that I made like 18 years ago and it just all gets jumbled up in there and you're in like the back. guessing, you know, or just in the back. Yeah. You're trying to guess which one to like line them up and finally I'm like, fuck it. I'll just load them up. Whatever happens, yeah. happens. But it also, that puts a lot of stress, uh, in the vertical direction too, on the wood verse, you know, and depending on how narrow you make that, right. You know, it's, it'll split it, pop yeah. it off. Yeah. Yeah. So more structure, um, and simplifying it to make it easier for the user. Even though most of the users that are shooting my guns um, at this are educated on diving or know what they're doing, but it's just nice to make things more simple. Right. So you take out the guesswork when you're diving. Yeah. You know, just efficiency is and less room for air. Nice. So, oh man the guns so what else over the years have you changed have you kind of realized because I remember looking at some of your earlier pictures uh, when you first started making guns uh-huh. on your Instagram just big square blocks yeah yeah which is what I did too as well yeah. back in the day and then like now what were some like things that you realized were really nice that you liked um I just wanted to build a gun that was simple functional shot straight uh-huh. even if you decide to overpower it 
the consumer is going to change their bands to whatever they like. Some people run really heavy bands, some yeah. people run light bands, some people run small IDs, whatever. Every band diameter, size changes uh-huh. the way your gun's going to shoot. Yeah. So with the enclosed track, which all my guns have, I don't do any open shacks. You don't ever have to worry about your shaft changing the dire- direction right. with overload. It's going the same point every time. You're just going to add the amount of recoil that you have on your gun depending on what band you have on right. there. So I simplified that. I, I tapered the muzzle a lot to be uh, a trackable big gun. I love big guns. I don't build really any small guns. I build yeah. even my you know, three-band reef hunting guns are... 55 inches, yeah. which is essentially like a 140 or something I'm like kind that. of smiling and laughing inside because every time I try to make a small gun, it ends up being fucking huge. <laughs> like I, the last gun, I was like, oh, you know, I'll make a smaller, like more like a Rife uh, 110 or 130, like just longs. It ends up again being something like, you know, yay thick. Yeah. But like they're pretty accurate. I don't know. I just always dove with bigger guns. Yeah. And loading was never a problem because I'm using. tall, you know, so it's yeah. easy for me to load, but. You practice with that yeah. tool that you're using. You're going to get used to it and adapt to it and figure out what works. And like the mid-handle, yeah. a lot of people don't like mid-handles, but uh, I would say a mid-handle is way more of an extension of your arm when you're shooting. Yeah. If you ever heard that saying, yep. you know, yeah. um, than a rear handle because you have so much more control when that handle is adjusted midway up the gun. Yeah. And then the rear handle, you're just relying all on that placement where you pushed out your gun and then trying to redirect it. Which doesn't happen. Which doesn't happen. So Yeah, it's all push-pull. Yeah, my where, first... Yeah, my first gun was a mid-handle, and then um, and it's like just a cannon. It's like 55-inch, 60-inch, but it's just like, boom, yeah. you know? But this last gun I made, because I don't know, have a lot of trust in what I'm doing as far as putting mid-handles in, uh-huh. like I never did it. And I was like, oh, I just want to keep it simple. And I did the three-banded, but it's 64 inches. But I know I have to keep the gun back, see my fish, bring it up, and shoot. If I sit here with it out... Forget about it. Like it better be close or it's almost like I'm throwing the gun at it because there's no way, but it's, it shoots like a laser. It does, but I just have to learn. But with bluefin, bluefin, you press a gun, it's going to push those fish out. Almost every time you press a gun out, it pushes the fish out. I always tell divers just to keep your arms extended Keep that gun out and uh-huh. then wait for one to line up. You're moving up and down. You're not swinging your gun side to side. Yeah. Just keep Especially it out. With those those fish are going to come in faster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like trying to move a big gun. Like, yeah. is a, dude, you're, it's a pain. Like you're trying to track the fish. Yeah. If they're moving. I don't track. I don't for track the most at part, all. I don't track. There's yeah. a couple of videos out there of me shooting fish, swinging a gun, pulling the trigger. But yeah. I know um, my gun. I yeah. shot it. Over and over and over again. Well, because so. what people, uh, you know, with the velocity of the shaft and the size of the projectile thing, just like shoot and coming out with spear guns, as you're moving that thing, as it's coming out, you're still influencing that spear slightly. Absolutely. And you can throw that trajectory totally off. Yeah. So I don't, I just try, like I said, bring it up, shoot. Or like you said, you know, have it out there and wait, and wait, wait, boom, go. Yeah. 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 Slight adjustments. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I built the guns to be bulletproof and just easy for consumer. I mean, uh, the other thing that I did change it a lot, I, I made a, quite a few guns that were equally buoyant. And I have this discussion with 
a lot of people and then I try to change their mind on it. When you're carrying around a 65 to 72 inch gun and your gun is negatively buoyant, uh-huh. you're just ex- exerting your body. Because you're trying to hold that gun the yeah. entire time. You, the second you press it, you're trying to hold it. So why not have a gun that is literally one ounce positive, uh-huh. which is the weight of this 16th inch drill, drill bit, you know? Yeah. Tiny, where you could put your finger on it and press it down. Yeah. That's how much buoyant it is. But then when it's a little bit positive with the shaft in... And this huge gun managing it to getting to those fish. Because when are you ever just sitting on a reef and diving? You know, never. Not with a gun that big. Not with a gun that big. So it's nice to just have a gun that is going to follow you with the least amount of resistance. If your gun is negative, you're constantly holding that thing up. The second that muzzle falls you're trying to pull the muzzle back up to keep swimming towards the bluefin well what i found too is that if your gun's negative uh especially even in the muzzle when you hold it out and it's 72 inches yeah like it's a pain in the ass pain in the to ass like to try to get it yeah. like you know i've always liked them kind of neutral and float when the shaft's out you know always that's, float that's, when the shaft's yeah, out. yeah it's usually how i do it is like yeah. just neutral uh even if it's yeah like you said i mean yeah, probably slightly positive actually where the nose or the ass just floats up. Yeah. Um, and I guess that goes back to everybody's like, oh, your guns are all big, but I don't know any different and I never really noticed yeah. it because I'm not, I don't feel like I'm having to, uh, except for the, the hydrodynamics of it, I'll say, like that's when I feel like moving it down, like, you know, where it's Pressing like, it. yeah, yeah, through the water, it feels heavy. But when I dive, I literally just have the thing in front of me and we just, it's, pretty streamlined and we just dive down and it's not a big deal yeah i just keep it back when i have to move it out yeah it feels heavy but uh then again like that you get used little, to it you get used yeah. to it it's yeah. funny um there was a customer that bought a gun and and i made the mistake of not telling him that's the way i usually will build them if no one says anything uh, and it was my fault for not mentioning it to him but he didn't actually recognize that it was positive until one day he just let it go. And then he's like, oh, it like floated up next to me like three minutes later when I was doing a breathe up. I was yeah. like, so you're saying like it took three minutes to come to the surface at 60 feet? Like that's hardly buoyant. So yeah. uh, a lot of people don't notice until they just let their gun go. Or uh, what happens when you drop your gun overboard or something happens? Exactly. $1,600 minimum. I yeah. Mean, gone yeah Yeah, i would be weeping yeah 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 Yeah, it's nice it doesn't make any difference uh it's only positive i feel like exactly i feel like there's more pros than cons having your gun slightly benefit i'm not talking a lot i mean right 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 but i mean i yeah enough to where you don't notice right you could make a good argument for it being neutral positive or whatever yeah it's not yeah yeah, yeah. and I the neutral, it, I mean, depending on where you dive, if you're diving here in California, is going to make a huge difference if your gun is neutral here versus down in right. Panama. Yeah. Because Panama, salinity. the salt salinity is higher. Yeah. So you're going to have more buoyancy down there. Right. So if you make a gun that's, you know, 
So a dive uh, in the Persian it, Gulf, it's 44 parts per million. It's uh-huh. like the saltiest down water. It burns your yeah, eyes. And ev- you float like a cork. You That's know? quite so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> but uh, it's just funny. Because, yeah, everything is so positive, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about just like doing this for just bluefin. I mean, most yellowfin hunting that you do, if, if it's big game, you're sitting there, you're resting you're doing a breathe up you're yeah. putting out a chum line for these yellowfin to come up sitting there and trying to manage a six foot gun at the same time as doing a nice chum line you're just exerting yourself you're using more energy than you need instead of just being able to tuck that thing under your arm and yeah just and sit there as, as far as the diving goes too when you're breathing up i mean just strictly free diving you are supposed to be relaxing every single muscle in your body. And that's hard enough to do on your own. Yeah. Let alone relax every single muscle except your forearm and your grip when you're trying to hold a gun up from falling. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're fighting like that gun. Dude, I just want to basically like just have it sitting next to me and I'm just barely touching it going into my moment to like dive. Yeah. Um, because... You know, it's weird spearfishing, but like diving enough, free diving, it makes me, it made me realize truly how important a good two minute breathe up, if you can do it, um, like there's not fish going all around you, just going, you know what I mean? But like how important that is in order to really get a good dive where you feel relaxed and comfortable and actually can enjoy the dive versus just like a means to an end, you know, which usually is how it is for me. Like if you're a really competitive person, like my friend uh, was telling, telling me back when I was learning how to dive, he's like, if you're a real competitive person, like we are, you know, um, we're dangerous people like naturally because you want to push yourself. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's very dangerous like to dive. Yeah, that way. All right. So, um, what, what, okay. So we've talked about the guns. What do you think would be, uh, places you've traveled and trips you've gone on? Like, what do you think, where have you gone? First of all, like on all your trips, have you traveled much? Um, I've been quite a few, well, a little bit. Yeah. I've done Belize, done, uh, Caribbean side of Mexico, Pacific side of Mexico, yeah. you know, Puerto Vallarta. Uh, I really love diving out there. It's At Puerto Vallarta. Oh yeah. Why super is fun. that? Punta Mita. Yeah. Um, With clear. Malibu John? Yeah, is Malibu that the, John, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's clear diving. Uh, it's kind of like lazy diving for really rewarding fish. So yeah, I'm always, I love that. Uh, <laughs> love it. Belize is really cool. It's super clear. Yeah, it's deep diving. Belize so, Yeah, for the the good game fish, it's deep. Um, it, it, Belize has a ton of boat traffic, so you definitely want to be diving with an experienced yeah. boat driver and a float at all times because the people down there, that's what they know divers as, of always having a float. Yeah. So, um, is it people yeah. just transiting from all the different little islands oh, yeah. and stuff? Like, yeah, they're, yeah, they're just water people. I mean, they have water taxis that take you from yeah. you know resort to resort, and right. everything's done by boat there, pretty much. So they have one road that you take, and that's on golf carts. But that was a pretty cool place. Um, uh, Kauai was nice. Yeah, Kauai is great. Yeah. Huh? Did you see cool. Alan when you were there? I did. Yeah, it was did. super funny. I I. Went to check in some equipment at the dive shop in in Kappa, and 
Alan was just sitting there. It was like actually the first time we actually met in yeah. person. So yeah. it was really cool. He's a good dude. He's a super nice guy. Alex Alan from Long Fins. Yeah. Uh, check it out. It's an online dive store, uh, dive store in uh, Kauai or out of Kauai, I guess I could say. So how did you, you just know him just from talking? Yeah, we, talk, we talked on social media. Yeah. I told him, you know, I just put a shout out out there that I was going to be coming out. And he was generous enough to reach out to me and offer a day of diving and Cool, yeah. Um, I ended up being super busy with my wife, so I didn't end up going. It's, I feel bad because it's funny because I ran into him. I was like on the way to the airport or something, uh-huh. and I was like, I was like, yeah, one of the guys that's like, my wife's like, what? Did, you never met this dude before? I'm like, no, I was just talking to her social media. Yeah. She's like, well, I'm going to meet him at the at the uh, McDonald's in Ka- uh, I think it was Ka- uh, Kappa or something. Yeah, Kappa. Yeah, at the McDonald's or something. I think it was maybe me or it was somewhere else. And uh, yeah, sure enough, he's just chilling out there in his truck. I was like, Alan, he's like, yeah, what's up? What's up? And he gave me a nice care pack. It was just so great. It was just like, uh, like true aloha, you know? Yeah. I just oh, loved it. he was, yeah. I loved it. Absolutely. Such a good guy. Yeah. So he wants to go get bluefin next summer. And I, I don't know if you contacted him since I've been back, but we talked bluefin for like two hours. Yeah, I think you told me that. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was in the shop, I basically convinced him that he just has to come out. Yeah. Don't worry about all the gear. I got your gear. Just come out and shoot bluefin with us. Oh, my wife had to be like, uh, baby, we're going to be late. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Like all the kids are in the car. It's just funny. I was like, yeah, sorry. Two hours later. I told him cause I've, I got a boat now too. I'm co-owner in a boat and I was like, man, come out. We'll go. We'll just, I'll just do it. Like, yeah. You know? But yeah, it was yeah, awesome. He's a, he's a really good dude. Yeah. Same, same with the guys at the, at that, that dive shop in, Kapaw Divers yeah. or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, they're super cool too. Yeah, they're in there. super nice. Took care of me when I didn't bring some gear. They have everything that you need there. Did so. you dive in Kauai? You did dive in Kauai? Uh, I just, just freed just, up. I didn't actually go yeah. spearfishing. For some odd reason, my wife just found like a little passion for diving when she was out there. Probably because the water is super nice. warm and clear. Yeah. But... Yeah, so that was fun for me to actually get to dive with her, and I didn't need to shoot fish because most of the places we're diving in were all protected and right. high Down population of fish. We're on the North Shore. Oh, okay, that's, yeah, in uh, Princeville area? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's where yeah. we stay in Princeville and worked yeah. our way up north a little further and Kie. dove at, like, tunnels. and. Uh-huh. Dude, how was tunnels? Awesome. Yeah. I mean... There is it's a scary reef. Huh? Three foot. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. That's just the edge of the world. You just feel yeah. like you're on the edge of the yeah. world out there. Yeah. It just drops. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. That's a good reef. So yeah. I took my son out there. Um, that's where we have a little spot at Anini Beach that I like to take uh-huh. home because it's only like he's not the greatest diver, you know, um, uh, but it's only like 25 feet deep, I think, maybe at the channel there. And I just take him there. It's a good current. And I remember I was there probably like 10 years ago. I think he was a year and a half old. I don't know, more than that, I guess now. <laughs> 12 years ago, and there was um, some Ulu that came screaming in by me. I, I was down on the, hiding behind this coral head trying to get these big parrotfish to come in. And they're all smart there, you know, they're always hunted. So I was like hanging out. I was like down there yeah, for like a minute. Protected. Yeah, and I was like, uh, okay. And then like, um, was it? It was uh, it's just see the the fish all dart one way, you know. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, what the hell's coming down this channel now? Because it wasn't the greatest visit of the time. And then I see these two big ula come screaming in the, you know, um, chasing uh, bait yeah, fish, chasing bait fish or something. Yeah. I was just like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we don't see that here, so like, no, we just go to hunt most of the yeah, time. Yeah, and so I was just down there diving with 
my son, and I was just like, wow, so cool. I cool love change it. the pace. Yeah. Just to just watch what was doing. Yeah. And I was going down and, you know, doing some, um, like, noises at the bottom, throwing up dust and just watching so fish come straight yeah. up to me. And my wife's just, like, so stoked to see these fish follow us around for... I think that's the coolest thing about having the experience that we have is... Um, I just, you get to share it with other people, yeah. especially like when you have your family and like, they're like, you know, then your kids are like, oh, dad, dad's crazy, you know? But I'm like, look, come here, I'm gonna show you something, you know? Yeah. Like, there's a shark here. And like, my youngest is like, great white, we're gonna get eaten, you know? <laughs> out. And I was like, no, 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 you get like, they're chill, they're fine, you know? And it's like, just changes their whole mind. Like, yeah, I got to swim with a shark. It's just a fish, you know? Yeah. It's fine, yeah. And it's really rewarding for them. I mean, that's like something they'll never forget. Right. That you got to do that with them. And yeah. it's such a different experience than you can explain to other people. Oh, what? You're diving on one breath, swimming with yeah. sharks, you know? It's, yeah. I love it, man. I, I love diving. It's a great sport. It's, you know, it's not even just diving, just being in the ocean. Yeah. Like, I'm looking forward to driving home today and go hopefully paddle out. There's some waves. It's a beautiful day. The visibility was really good yesterday. I did a little dive in my little local spot at home yesterday. Oh, nice. uh, lots of sheep's head. And I don't really shoot sheep's head usually, um, Let's just, unless I need some ceviche, but I got yeah. a freezer full of fish. So I was actually going to shoot one, uh, thinking about shooting a bigger one to do a taste test with local friends of mm -hmm. like sheep's head and yellowtail ceviche. Because mm -hmm. I have like this big thing going where like I had yellowtail you ceviche. You don't notice it? It changed my life too. Yellowtail ceviche is so good. Compared oh, you noticed it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we... By uh, the texture. Yeah. And then so I wanted to do that and be like, okay, what do you think? Like to other people, mm -hmm. as many people. Because everybody's so used to having uh, sheep's head ceviche for so long, you know? Um, my uh, friend of mine did that with fish dip. Uh, the guys in Florida, Dalton makes like an amazing fish dip, but uh -huh. it's usually smoked and then broken down with a bunch of different stuff in it. And he did it. I can't remember. I think it was with sheep's head and then yellowtail. To be honest, I couldn't notice yeah, the difference, yeah, yeah. even in texture, just because it was so smoked and cooked. Right. But it tastes great. There's another good thing. I thought about doing like a recipe thing on my website um, where I just have like my favorite recipes or something because my buddy uh -huh. does like this really good where he slices it really thin, like fish jerky, you know, mm -hmm. and then smokes it. But you obviously marinate it and all that and teriyaki and all that stuff. And then, like, dude, it just literally tastes like fish jerky. It's so good. Sounds amazing. And again, like, for someone that's never really liked fish that much, yeah. which is comical. Yeah. But, like, I what I've learned from my other friends that are, like, really good cooks is, like, how to cook fish so that you and your family like it. Like, cause I feel yeah, like it's, enjoy it. It's There's respectful. always a way. It's supposed to be the fish that you take. You're supposed yeah. to enjoy it. And I always White felt fish. weird about that. White fish, yeah. White fish. California uku, yeah. I mean... Find 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 some any kind of white fish or white meat. Yeah. Do a light, you know, batter with uh, coconut. Uh, coconut flakes. Yeah, the uh, coconut yeah. flakes on it, and then fry it. Uh huh. Oh my gosh! I had a uh, cubera in Puerto Vallarta uh -huh. from a restaurant like that, and it was the most phenomenal thing with uh, a mango salsa. It was. You can wrap that. Yeah. You can wrap any fish in, in that. Oh, it was just sounds good. It was so good. Yeah, the thing is, I want to get it to where like I was doing fish sticks with certain things, like even bonito, like fish sticks. You bleed the bonito immediately. A lot of people don't yeah. eat it, but if you bleed it immediately, cook it, it's good. Yeah, you get you get good like twelve hours in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, 
So, well, you went to when you were talking about Puerto Vallarta. Like, what did you get when you were down there? Uh, there was. I saw a Wahoo. It looks like you got a Wahoo. Or... Wahoo. Evan and Dalton both got Wahoos. Dalton and Evan both got. This was the second time when we went down. It was really slow. But you went down there for your bachelor party, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. For like ten days. Spoiled. Wow. It was a badass bachelor party, but yeah, my wife's pissed. She's like, "Why I get like three days in wine country? It sucks." I was gonna say that probably costs a little bit more than three days in wine country. Well, Mexico's yeah good if you do it right. I mean, yeah. I mean, we fished on the boat for three or four days. I think it was, yeah. and we got like Kubera. Rainbow Runners. Yeah. Those are pretty good. Runner. Yeah. That's like um, the, yeah. Yeah. Shishimi, those things. They're oh, just like so yellowtail. So good. Yeah. What else did we get? Cool fish. There? Cool looking fish. How big were the yellowtail, or the uh, Rainbow Runners? They're pretty small. I'd say five pounds. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen Rainbow Runners. That would probably break a world record for sure. And in no, Guam? No, in, in Guam. When I was oh, down yeah. on the reef, yeah. I was like, is that a shark? It was rolling next to the dog tooth. There was, or next to the shark, there was two of them. I would say they were probably about four feet long, maybe. Yeah, and they're thin fish, too, so they, four feet. Uh, they were big, man. That's um, cool. My buddy shot one, and it tore off. And then, uh, But yeah, the biggest one I've ever got was like 10 pounds. Yeah, the biggest big one ass. I shot down there was like five pounds. Yeah, but that was a, like, I was like, damn, that's a big ass. Uh, yeah. Actually, but every night we'd bring our fish to the restaurant. The restaurant yeah. would cook it, bring us all the side plates. And it was Did just you book that great. through a travel thing or you just hooked No, it no, through Malibu through John. Malibu, Malibu John. Yeah, he sets yeah. kind of everything up. He has all the connections. Okay. He's got the boat. We'll put the link to that on here too. Like, I'll try to... Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll put his uh, social media tag on Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I appreciate you meeting me, man. I know yeah, you got to fly. This time. is great. I could talk to you for hours about I this know. stuff. Yeah. Gun building is awesome. So yeah. thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah. And check out uh, Nick at Nitro Gun Co. Um, and I'll put all your uh, social media stuff and your website Sweet. and everything on there. Um, awesome. Yeah. And if you guys have any questions about <clears throat> the guns or our products, uh, feel yeah. free to reach out. Awesome. So Thank you, guys. That includes it. <laughs> wow, we got Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.